Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who's at the head of the table, and well, he can be a mean old man. Here's my co-host from the left coast. Here's Wayne Fugate. Hey, hola, Ben. I mean. So for this episode, we have a special guest. His record is called Blue Sky. That was recently released with his band, The Brotherhood. Please welcome to the podcast, Reverend Sean Amos. Hello, sirs. So, so do we? Do we call you Reverend? Do we call you Sean? Do we call you Reverend Sean? What What do we like to What do we like to go by? You call me Rev. Rev. Okay, Rev. I like yeah. it. I like it. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, premise of our podcast is fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each podcast, I ask the all important question: What T-shirt are you wearing? Let's start with Wayne. What T-shirt are you wearing? I am wearing a shirt from a recent guest, Kaylee Goldsworthy. Oh, fantastic. Very cool. All right. How about Rev? What t-shirt are you wearing? I'm wearing a Bobby Blue Bland t-shirt that was given to me by his son, Rod Bland, who's uh, one of my uh, drummers we jam with sometimes. Very, very cool. All right. Um, And I took absolutely zero thought to my t-shirt today. So I'm, in fact, I'm just looking down at what my, what shirt I'm wearing. (laughs) Um, So I'm wearing one of my social distortion t-shirts. So it's a good choice. Yeah, it has has nothing to do with Joan Armitrading, but you know, whatever. We'll uh, we'll roll with that. Who's Kaylee, by the way, Wayne? Uh, she was a recent guest singer songwriter, Philadelphia area. I, I haven't heard of her. Yeah, we did uh, we did the Gin Blossoms' new miserable experience with her. <laughs> if, you, if you're familiar at all with yes. Gin Blossoms, yes, I am. Yes. They, they were on the playlist for a while. Yes, absolutely. I think they were. If if you were around in the in the early nineties, there was no escape. There was no escape. Absolutely zero yeah. escape. Yeah. Um, all right. So I've known to slaughter a few guest names upon introduction. I was worried that I was going to um, completely slaughter uh, your introduction. Um, I read that your father is the man behind famous Amos cookies, and behind and in front. Oh, okay. That's right. That's right. He is famous Amos. So. That's right. Uh, you And you didn't want to follow in his footsteps in making baked goods? God, no. No. God, God no. Uh, I mean, I, I, I can make an okay cookie if, you know, push comes to shove. But no, my uh, that was not my, uh, that was not my destiny. What's the go-to cookie? Uh, oh, God's a tough one, man. There's so many good cookies. Now, I mean, when he first started his thing, there are very few, like, you know, non-mass produced cookies out there. But now, I mean, every right. town in America has got some cool little bake shop. So that's a tough one. I'm actually a donut lover. Me too. Yeah. Dick my, my, my wife has been giving me a hard time because, well, so this month is my birthday. So I got a free dozen donuts from Krispy Kreme. All right. Nice. <laughs> Happy birthday. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, thank you. And uh, today I took my daughter in because they were they were giving away a dozen free donuts for any seniors graduating from high school. Uh-huh. So uh, took her, took her to get her her dozen. And um, yeah, there the there's a donut shop right down the street from the post office. And so every time I go to the post office, I have to stop at that donut shop. You know, so so I've had. I've had way too many donuts. This, what's your this, favorite uh, kind of donut? Month. What's your what's your favorite uh, type of donut? Uh, I'm a maple bar guy. Ooh, right. yes, and and uh, 
Wayne, you can attest to this being out West. Um, the go-to is a, a voodoo donut voodoo. with bacon on the maple bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Voodoo's good. That's yeah. fantastic. Just fantastic. When, right. when, when you have a favorite. Yeah. I'm an apple fritter guy. Nice. I, uh, but I've lost 40 pounds. So I haven't had a lot of donuts lately. I'm missing them. Missing donuts, pizzas, and cheese. <laughs> I know you've and been I, posting on Instagram some of your healthy healthy food that you've been eating. I'm like, who is this guy? Yeah, well, that's huge, man. Congratulations! Back in fighting shape. Yeah, well done, well done. Can 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 you tell who's uh, who's who's been married for 20 plus years <laughs> and the guy who's <laughs> recently divorced? Right, <laughs> join the club. Join the club, boy. Uh, I got a hot young girlfriend. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. Uh, all right. Getting getting off the subject of donuts. Um, so, Rev, uh, reading your bio makes me think that I haven't done anything with my life. Um, so between careers at Rhino, creating your own media company, producing records for other people, and then your own musical career. So wh- where do you find the energy to do all of this stuff? I'm just endlessly curious and, and endlessly uh, dissatisfied. So it's kind of easy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, it, I, it, it feels like, um, yeah, I just sort of follow my muse and sometimes it, you know, goes in, you know, odd directions, but I sort of, you know, go with it till I run out of interest or, you know, steam or, you know, the, the hill gets too steep and, and then, you know, pivot in some other direction. But it's all been, you know, it's all kind of the same stuff in a way. It's just different expressions of creativity, I think. So so at what point when you're doing one of these these projects do you go, okay, it's time to move on to the next thing? Um, hmm. I, 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 I don't think it's like a, a conscious – it's just like an evolution. You know, I mean, even with, this, with the blues albums I've made you know, in this album, it, it's sort of I, – I, like one door leads to another door, right? And you, so you, I, I, you're mining something, and then you sort of discover something else. You're like, oh wow, I didn't know that existed within this sort of world. And then, you know, you you follow that. So you're just always sort of following new clues. I, I don't think it's it's never such a. Uh, I, I wish there was more consciousness to it, <laughs> more, uh, more more sort of uh, yeah, because I I probably might be better off in some regards. But I, you know, I, it's never that premeditated. It, it's just sort of. You know, new new curiosities come up, and, and and they're born from you know the current activity. And, and I think and yeah. if you're li- if you're listening closely, and if you're you know just, you know you you care about getting better, you know the, the things you do, then you, you follow those you follow those breadcrumbs wherever they go. Right, right. And that I'm I'm assuming that you're funneling that into your creative process of creating records, where you're like, yeah, I already did that thing. So now it's time for the next thing. Yeah, I mean, some things feel good over and over again. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, God, I think there's multiple songwriters who always say, you know, you write the same song over and over again. Um, yeah. and, and I think there's some truth to that. I mean, I, I, I you know, listen to songs I've written on this album, and then I'll realize my guy wrote a song that's so similar to that 10 years ago. <laughs> I, 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 so I think some, you know, so to some respects, you're, you're sort of, you know, kind of mining in the same, you know, well. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, there, there there are things that that pop up. They're just you know, I guess there is where you do get bored, right? And you sort of don't want to, um, you you, you want to stay fresh. You want to stay you know nimble, um, and, and not sort of uh, 
atrophy creatively. Although some people do. I mean, you know, some people make the same song over and over again and have the same show over and over again, and that's their that's their thing, you know. And that's that's cool. I just, I'm just I just would get really bored. I would get bored with that. Yeah. But there's comfort in that, you know. There's comfort. I mean, yeah. as, as a as a as a viewer, like you know, you go to like a Springsteen show or something, and there's there's a certain degree of comfort in like you know the Springsteen show. You know, if he suddenly came out and did like a dance show or something, that'd be kind of jarring. <laughs> right, right, right. Sometimes you got to give the people what they want. Yeah, man. If it, if they broke, don't fix. I guess. Yeah. On Sunday, I was listening to your record, and, and I I total dad joke because I was like, "So it's Sunday, and I'm listening to the Reverend." <laughs> the dad joke didn't land very well. No, of course, um, of course. So so where where does the title Reverend come from? So um, I started playing blues music in 2012. Um, I, I was a, a roots artist and doing Americana records and you know, singer songwriter yeah. stuff. And then uh, in, in 2012, I got invited to go to Italy by an old bandmate uh, who booked some blues gigs. And uh, he knew I was a student of the blues, even though I wasn't a practitioner of it. And uh, and I, you know, was a deep love of it and knew all the sort of, you know, great sort of American Chicago blues catalogs. Like, you know, come on over to Italy and, you know, and sing and, and front this blues band. So I did it sort of as a lark and I just got so turned on performing the music. And I sort of discovered this new part of myself as a performer. And because um, I'm sort of a typical shoegazer, you know, super sensitive singer songwriter type. Uh, and, and so suddenly this music just, it, it, it really transformed me and, and, and not in this sort of calculated way. It just sort of came out of me. And so the Italians after the gigs w- would call me a uh, reverend, like, el reverendo, el reverendo. And so I thought, man, that's, that's high praise. If, you know, some you know, Italian Catholics are going to call you a reverend. That's something to, to take seriously. <laughs> yeah, and so, there you uh, go. And so when I came back to the states. I decided I wanted to keep playing blues and sort of you know pursue it as, as a as a more serious uh, sort of you know musical pursuit and sort of you know abandon the singer songwriter stuff to, to a large degree. And so I started calling myself the Reverend Sean Amos, and uh, it sort of stuck. And I figured you know if I'm going to be a reverend. If I'm going to call myself a reverend, I better be a reverend. So you know the magic of the internet and Universal Life Church. I, uh, you know, did, you did, did the mail order reverend thing. And so, uh, and so here I am, a, a uniquely so, American reverend. <laughs> so, so he plays blues and he can officiate your wedding. I've officiated a few. Yeah. One, 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 okay. one, one at a gig. <laughs> That's very cool. Very <laughs> it was, cool. It was fun. Uh, so, so blue sky, your recent record is record number what for you? That is, uh, oh boy, it, it's uh, it's the third full-length blues album. It is my um, uh, sixth album overall, maybe. Okay, I, I almost count. Maybe six. It's very cool stuff. So, um, thank you. This the song "Troubled Man." That's about the man in the Oval Office. Is that correct? I think so. Yeah, you know, the, the, it's definitely. Uh, I mean, it's, it's really dedicated to him <laughs> and 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 his and yeah. his uh, <laughs> his followers. Yeah, I, I think more than him individually, it's sort of what he represents, and just this idea that this sort of like prideful ignorance, and and, and sort of this, uh, you know, somehow there's some kind of weird honor in like uh, and maverick nature of being, you know, ignorant and then not admitting your mistakes and and wanting to you know drag everyone else into your ignorance. It's just a really pretty amazing phenomena we're at, we're experiencing. <laughs> It's crazy times, absolute crazy times. 
Has uh, Ruthie Foster on it, so she's kind man. of a big deal in the blues genre, man. She's huge. It's funny, and I had—I'm embarrassed to say—I hadn't heard of her before we did the album. I, I uh, she was uh, sort of introduced to me uh, through through a mutual friend, and I—I I was totally like oblivious to her. And uh, she's a Texas native. I don't know if she's native, but she lives in Austin, Texas, and a you know, killer guitar player. This okay. you know, force of a nature voice. She's done a lot of gigs with Bonnie Red and sort of, you know, has, has been around the circuit. That's and, how I uh, know her. Right. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And, and she was just, you know, she's really diminutive. She's like this, you know, maybe five foot two, five foot three, five foot. Yeah. I mean, she's a you know, small woman, but just a four, she's in the army. I mean, she's just like, she's like this. Oh, total, oh wow. Uh, yeah. She's just really, um, uh, just seriously grounded woman. And, and um, and, and you can feel it in her presence and you can hear it in her voice. And, you know, I, I wanted, uh, and there's, there's a lot of female presences on this album and I've always, yeah. I guess maybe it leads into the, to the album we're going to talk about later, but you know, I, I'm just, um, you know, I, I like the presence of strong, you know, black women around me and, uh, and, and she's one of them. Very cool. Album has a, a great blend of blues, old soul, a little bit of rock. Um, it's, it's uh, it's cool. I got, I got two favorites on the record besides trouble, man. All right, tell so me. the last song on the record keep the faith have a little fun that's yeah. just fun yeah that's a fun song the new orleans blast thing i know i was gonna say so that seems like that'd be a blast for a live audience which uh hopefully will happen yeah we'll find what that's like again <laughs> yeah. yeah did did you get did you get to try out any of these songs in front of audiences We're before all this just crap starting happened? just starting and we played there's a track on the album called counting down the days and uh yeah we, we played it in the netherlands uh in late uh let me think about this in uh in late 2018 we had just written it and uh I'm like, let's play it live. And, and, you know, and actually there's a review somewhere. It says how, you know, it, it brought the whole show to a screaming halt. <laughs> Cause we were just so like unrehearsed for it. Uh, yeah. and then, uh, and then we played a couple, we did some gigs in January, uh, which is just a few months before the album came out. And we were, there were sort of warm up shows to, for a tour that was going to start in April. Uh, so we got to play a good chunk of the stuff live, maybe like four times, but it, it's okay. all, it's all pretty fresh still from a live perspective. Yeah. Um, so the other favorite tune is the, uh, I'm probably going to slaughter this, uh, Albion yeah, Blues. Albion Blues. Did I say, did yeah, I say it right? You did. That, that's a good, so, that's a good choice. That's, that's a deep cut. Travel 
Uh, so, so what or where exactly is is Albion? Because I did a I did a Google search, and it's either a song from Frank Turner or it's somewhere <laughs> in South Africa. So Albion is actually is sort of an archaic uh, word for uh, for British. So it's oh uh, okay yeah. So um the 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 song's dedicated to a guy named Gary Stewart who uh, was a mentor of mine and a friend of mine. He was an, uh, an executive over at Rhino records. He sort of like invented the whole like reissue market, like yeah. the, the box set and the, you know, the, the, the expanded reissue and all that kind of stuff. And, Oh, I know. I have a lot of Rhino in the collection. Yeah. So, so yeah, you, you probably seen his name on most of those albums. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was, a, he was a great friend and, and, and a real mentor and he, uh, he uh, committed suicide last year. And, <sighs> um, and so, there's a line I hear the chorus, I guess is like, you know, I hear Albion in Africa, uh, red roses on the clouds and, and the red rose on the clouds is actually a crib from a William Blake poem. William Blake being a, okay. a br- British poet. Um, yeah. and, uh, and I hear Albion in Africa. It's, it's sort of like a nod to British music, black music, um, which he sort of introduced me to a lot of both of those kinds of music. So it's, um, but yeah, it's an ode to him. It's a, it's a lot of wordplay and a lot of sort of inside you know stuff. Right, right. Um, let's go back a few records. So, um, I whenever I have a guest, I, I try and listen to more than just their current record. So I went back a, f- a few, and I listened to uh, "Thank You, Shirley May." Oh wow! Thank you for listening to that. That's a beautiful record, man. Yeah, man. Thank you. Yeah. I, I read the background on the on that record after I was listening to a couple songs. I'm like, this sounds way different than the current the current <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah um so uh you you discovered that your mom shirley may um had a had a singing career before she became a mom yeah so my mom was shirley amos uh her maiden name was shirley ellis so i knew her as one of those two names um, yeah. But she performed uh, before I was born as Shirley May. She actually performed as Shirley May to avoid confusion with a more popular singer at the time named Shirley Ellis. Um, mm. And Shirley Ellis had some some R&B hits. I can't remember what label she recorded for. Uh, so, so my mother took the name Shirley May to avoid the confusion. And she um, and she signed a deal to Mercury, like a, like a demo deal, but nothing ever was released commercially. And she sang in nightclubs like up and down the eastern seaboard. Uh, and yeah, and she sort of, then she met my dad and got married and, uh, she suffered from real, uh, profound mental illness. Uh, and she also committed suicide, suicide, sort of a theme in my life a little bit, uh, yeah, in, in, in 2003. And so, um, upon her death, I just sort of, I was, I was went back to her apartment. She was, was living in North Carolina and I was clearing out her place and I discovered all this stuff. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, uh. And it was just it was this amazing gift, you know. It sort of gave me um, it gave me a vision of my mother that I I never had because I always knew her as this very sick, paranoid, you know, continually hospitalized, just broken woman. Um, and to sort of see her beautiful and you know kicking ass and taking names and you know making her career and living in New York City at the you know dawn of the civil rights movement and right. I mean, just just you know stuff that was so brave to do as a single black woman in 1962 uh it was really a gift to sort of understand that side of her and see that there was a time when she was healthy and creative and you know normal and, and so um so yes yeah, so i made this album that's sort of this uh like my my imaginings of what her life you know must have been like uh you know during that time 
So, so mom and dad, neither one kind of gave you a glimpse of that early career. It's weird. No, my mom, you know, tucked it away. Like she, you know, she was so delusional yeah. and, and it's funny. And in retrospect, she brought up things. I just thought they were like, she was making shit up because <laughs> you know, right. uh, she was so sort of off her, you know, head and so, and so many others. Uh, my parents split when I was young uh, and my father, you know, immediately, you know, launched into his famous Amos life. So, you know, all he had, all he really cared about talking about was, you know, himself. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so yeah, I was sort of left to, you know, sort of piece the clues together myself. Yeah. What's, uh, so two songs from that record, what's good inside in New York city, 1964, man, both of those killed me. Oh, so thanks. Those, yeah. I, 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 and I, I'm, I gravitate towards artists who are not not afraid to kind of explore multiple sounds, and that record is so different from your from your current record. Um, it's it, it's great. It's just um, yeah, I, I, I really I really dig that. Yeah, I think it's inspired by. I mean, it's funny when we were picking albums for the show. You know, I, was, I had a hard time deciding, and, and the album I almost picked was. Uh, king of america by elvis costello uh, and, and um i mean when i love that album it's just a great sort of a, you know americana sort of you know roots album made by a british guy um yeah but it, it's you know what i love about costello's my favorite artist is you know that he's a guy who he said it famously like you know there's nothing in my contract that says i need to make the same album over and over again and uh and i just love the fact that he is always sort of you know followed his curiosity you know, i'm going to do a string quartet album now i want to do a country album now right. do and uh and that was and that's like a virtue of his career and that's and people who follow him expect that's what they're going to get uh and so i that that's really um been maybe some kind of bit of a subconscious you know blueprint for me mm-hmm yeah did did you hear wayne's uh, audible <laughs> groan when when <laughs> uh, is that bad grown or a good grown? No, I, I, uh, Elvis Costello is my favorite living songwriter. The only artist that I like that I feel like more strongly about is David Bowie. And, and so I just yeah. have to say that Ben told me to listen to your cover of Peace, Love, and Understanding, which is one of my favorite songs. And I love listening to covers of it. And I thought it was, I thought it was amazing. Um, I, it, it had that gospel feel and it, and it, what I loved about it is it felt like if you didn't know that song, you would think that that's originally how it was was arranged. And I thought that was amazing. But what I even loved even more is that it made me. So when I looked that up, I saw Gene, the Gene Genie. And so I had, I had to go and listen to a David Bowie cover and I, I got goosebumps. Like it was so different, but it was so different. Amazing. Like I had never, I never would have even imagined doing the Gene Genie like that. And I love how you hear a song and you think, you know, the lyrics and then you listen to somebody enunciate it. Cause they're, you know, it's in a slower sure. kind of style. And you're like, I had no idea that he said chimney stacks there. It's, it's just, it, it literally gave me goosebumps in it. And it really reinforced <laughs> that thing that if you take a great song and really authentically and genuinely try to do it, um, it, a different way, but with, with some heart, it's, it's a great song and you can't, you just can't mess it up. It, oh, it was, thanks, both those were great. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Those are two of my favorite artists as well. I mean, huge Bowie fan. And, and the similarities are right? those two guys have just, you know, I mean, obviously Bowie was more of a chameleon in all ways more than musically, but, uh, you know, the idea that you can, um, you know, not get boxed in and, you know, and it's like, and you can be, in, it's a virtue to follow your, your muse. Um, 
in uh yeah i love reinventing songs i mean i uh series this youtube series called kitchen table blues and yeah. you know, we, we and, and then for a long period during that series we were just sort of reinventing you know rock songs pop songs new wave songs or as blue songs because i was sort of on this tear that you know basically every song is a blue song um and and and, and so i had to sort of like i had to sort of like prove myself you know right so, so to sort of deconstruct these things uh was like this sort of um, mission of mine for a while. And then to deconstruct, I always heard the Bowie, because you know, Bowie was a blues fan. I mean, they all were, you know, that era. But uh, I always just, whenever I heard him on that original Gene Genie, you know, I always just thought of uh, Howlin' Wolf. I mean, I'm like, oh, he's like totally copying Howlin' Wolf. Oh, um, yeah. And I, I couldn't get, and I, he's never like said that in an interview or not that I've heard, but I just, I just was convinced. He's totally like, you know, with a little, with a McCartney copying Little Richard, you know? Um, right. So I just uh, always heard like a lot of, Howlin' Wolf in that tune, and so it's sort of like, let's how can we sort of like turn this song into a Howlin' Wolf song? Uh, so that was sort of the, the the motivation of that one. Yeah, I was I was well listening done. to some Little Richard this uh, this week since he passed away, yeah. and I'm like, okay, that guy copied Little Richard. That guy copied <laughs> everybody Little Richard. Copied that, Little Richard. <laughs> everybody copied Little Richard. Yeah. And he knew it, and he knew it, and he was, uh, you know, absolutely, understandably pissed off about his yeah, entire life. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, one one last question before we jump into the record that you choose. So, yeah. um, we ask all of our guests their opinion of Toto's Africa. Is it a good or bad song? Oh my God, I can't stand Africa. I mean, obviously, yes, it, 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 I can't handle that. <laughs> I need to win. Yeah, no, it's it's no, been a while, Wayne. There's no excuse yeah. for that song at all. All right, all right. Uh, we're we're uh, we're getting ready to retire that that uh, that question. Yeah, I know so people are like ironically like into it, and yeah, I yeah. I, I can't go there. The whole yacht rock yeah. thing, whatever. I, I can't go there. See, I love yacht rock. So, I mean, I loved it when it first came out. It was funny for like the first you know minute. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Um, all right, so so. So tell our listeners what record you chose for this for this episode. I chose the debut album of Joan Armor Trading called Whatever's For Us, which was released in 1972 on AM Records. Yeah. So um I wasn't completely familiar with this the with this uh with this record. Um so I'm gonna tell you my 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 goofy um Joan Armor Trading uh story. Please. Um, so uh, years ago, I had heard this song on a 
college radio station called um, Show Some Emotion. And and I didn't know who sang it. So this is, keep in mind, this is pre-internet days. So I go into a record store and I say, there's this song called Show Some Emotion. Um, it was actually by the Underworld. Um, and the guy was convinced that it was a Joan Armatrading song. So I, so I bought the record. And yeah, that wasn't it. <laughs> I don't know the other version of that song. I only know Joan's version. Uh, well, it's it's not it's not a cover of Joan's song. Just totally different song. Words. It's it's yeah. it's it just shares the same title. Got so it. so I did I did own a Joan Armatrading <laughs> record at one point, and I didn't mind it. But I'm like, that's not the song that I was looking for. So um, yeah. So there, there's my Joan. There's my Joan story. <laughs> don't blame Joan for that. No, 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 no. I don't. So, how did you get introduced to to Joan? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. So, I I think how I got introduced to that album. Well, I know I know now actually. So, my father used to. Um, he he uh, had an office on the AM Records lot. So I, I sort of grew up on the AM Records lot uh, back in oh, sort okay. of its heyday. And you know, for those who were like sort of from this record business history, you know, um, the Indian records lot was, um, where Charlie Chaplin had his studios, uh, back in the day in, in Hollywood, California. And then, um, yeah. and then sort of fell in disrepair. And then, uh, Herb Alpert and Jerry Moss were the A and the M bought it and turned it into this beautiful, you know, uh, recording label studios, like this, you know, this sanctuary for artists. And, you know, we are the world was recorded there and you know, stones recorded, everyone recorded there. Um, and so my dad had offices, uh, there cause he had a couple acts were signed to A and M. And so, I, he just got, you know, swag. <laughs> he got tons of like, you know, free AM records all the time. And so the first Joan Armatrading album I heard was actually her self titled album, which was her second album, but it's just called Joan Armatrading. Um, and it was just always on in the house. You know, and, um, and her voice was just like, just freaked me out. I mean, it, I, I thought it was a man at first. I, you know, I never heard a woman sing that deep. And, and, and so just from her, it, Sort of like a Ruthie Foster thing. I mean, Ruthie's not as deep, but it, it, the, I think it's maybe why I love Ruthie um, and why she sings on, on my song. It's just there's something there's just so connected to the earth. And uh, I was going to bring that up later, so I'm glad you brought that. Yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> and so and so guttural and just so emotive, yeah. and and it was just like wow. And, and I I also think what's happening, although I didn't know it at the time, but I, you know I I didn't have a lot of exposure to black you know, to blackness growing up. I grew up in white neighborhoods. My dad was like, you know, the only white, only black guy, you know, in, in sort of the business. You know, he was the first black agent in a talent agency before he started Famous Amos. Yeah. He was, it was like, we were just always the only black people around uh, wherever we were. And so um, I, I, I knew about black culture the same way a lot of other people do. It was just, you know, through like the media. And back then, you know, sort of late seventies, um, you know, the media was limited. And, and so to yeah. sort of see this black woman with this, you know, big mane of sort of natural hair and really dark skinned and she's singing in like a British accent. It was just like, what the hell? <laughs> and she just has, has an acoustic guitar. It was just a representation of sort of femininity and blackness that I just had never seen before. And I was really struck by it. Um, and her songs are really, really personal. And, and I um, have always dug sort of you know gravitate towards sort of confessional songwriting at least i did earlier yeah. on and so so that was the first album and then i don't know i to be honest i don't know how i discovered her debut this one whatever's for us i i can't remember but i just i know that 
it got, you know, there's like a handful of albums that just got me through my youth and it got me through my teenage years. I mean, literally, you know, there's like five albums and, uh, and this is one of them. It just got me through and, and, and to hear her sing about sort of, uh, like the first song's called my family. It's like, it's like, that's my family. <laughs> you know? Um, and, and it just, uh, and it's so evocative and Glenn Johns, you know, was a great producer and he was producing Elton John around the same time. And you can hear sort of a lot of the same production choices. Oh, yeah. And I loved Elton John. Um, and just, it, it's, it, he creates such a, a world. I mean, such a sonic cinematic world that you could just dive right in. I just could, it was like, uh, yeah, I felt like I was, uh, you know, in the middle of a, of a movie with that album. Very cool. What were what were the other albums that got you through? Quadrophenia, like every other okay. you know, teenage teenage boy. <laughs> um, uh, Joni Mitchell, Blue. It's actually an interesting mix of like you know really like sensitive female singer songwriters and like you know aggro dudes. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Blue. Whatever's for us. Um, uh, uh, Quadrophenia. God, what are there too? I'm trying to think now. Now I'm on the spot. Um, yeah, yeah. What it's funny. There's like a an everything but the girl album. Uh, their 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 debut album. Uh, okay, called Love Not Money, which meant a lot to me as well. Um, it's a bit, bit of a later album. Very cool. Yeah. So you're you're all over the place musically as well. Oh God, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's also something that Wayne and I gravitate to. I think we're all over the place as far as our musical. Yeah, I'd say Neil really Young's "Comes a Time" too. Actually, that one was pretty seminal for me. Also. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Um, all right. So, a little bio info on the record. So, you you brought up that it was released in '72. Um, what I read was this album was a collaboration between Joan and also her songwriting partner Pam Nestor. Yep. And they they wrote a bunch of songs together. And in fact, for this record, Nestor wrote the lyrics to 11 of the 14 songs. Uh, Arma Trading wrote the lyrics to three of them. Um, however, of course, Joan plays all the, the, the various uh, musical parts. Um, what was interesting to me and... and I couldn't find the reason why, but they said that they were, they were together as a duo at the time. And, uh, essentially Nestor got sidelined to use one of Wayne's hashtags, <laughs> um, uh, that, uh, um, I couldn't find any of the reasons why they put a kibosh on the duo idea. Yeah. Uh, cause that would have been a little bit different back in, you know, the, the mid, well, I guess it would have been early seventies. Um, why not a, a, a black female duo? Totally. Yeah. Like the female black version of Simon and Garfunkel or something. Yeah. Right. Um, right. I, I didn't know. It's funny. I mean, just, you know, it, it definitely, I, I always thought it, it, it should have been labeled a duo record because it, it kind of is. Yeah. Um, it's a, I always saw it. I saw it in part like a like a uh, like a Bernie Toppin Elton John relationship, you know, where you know Nestor mm-hmm. was this lyricist sort of behind the scenes, and uh, yeah, and and Joan was you know the the the, the musical you know side of it, and, and sort of the the, the voice. I, I I didn't know that they were 
a, a full on duo. That, that part, no, I, I know she just disappeared. Pam Nestor. I mean, you can't really find anything about her now. No. Um, no. So I don't know if you know, in my mind, it's like, did she just, you know, wasn't interested in show business or she wasn't interested in the game anymore. Or she, you know, had a, you know, couldn't take it or whatever. But, um, I love it, It's, you know, I love Jones writing as well. Um, but there's clearly something going on with, with, with Pam's, you know, l- lyrical stuff that was way different than, you know, what Joan ever explored. You know, Joan, she kept going on and, and I still, you know, dig her, but I, I, I got less and less interested with her on every album because she's, you know, she doubled down on, you know, the relationship song, you know, I mean, like every song yeah. she's, she's very, very into like the different sides of love and commitment and, you know, the, the challenges with, you know, within relationships and that's totally, you know, valid. But I mean, I, I just, it's, it's really, um, I sort of got less, you know, it became less, uh, intriguing to me. Uh, whereas these early songs sort of like, you know, deal with family and deal with almost like sort of social myst- commentary. Yeah. And mysticism on yeah. some level. It's, 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 it's a lot broader lyrically, um, which he never really touched upon again. Yeah. Yeah, you 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 brought up the production. So, um, producer Gus Dudgeon. Gus Dudgeon. I'm sorry, I said Glenn Johns. Yeah, Gus Dudgeon. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, so he he was also Elton's producer. Um, yep. He also produced. Going back to the Bowie thing, he produced Space Oddity. Yep. Yep. Wow. So Perfect. he's no no slouch, no slouch in the production yeah. area. And and I think that and I'll bring this up on a couple of the songs because there is a very very 70s elton john vibe on a couple of <laughs> totally oh yeah totally yeah yeah which is i love it yeah it was all happening at the same time because yeah space audio was 71 right space audio 71 <sighs> space audio might have been 69 even because that's one no. of his first recordings yeah i know but i know uh i know this was recorded at strawberry studios which was changed the name to uh, the French word where uh, Chateau or uh, honky Chateau was recorded and stuff yeah. like that. Correct. Yeah. Correct. I mean, there's a sound that, you know, you, you can, you can trace to easily, you know, 10 different albums. Right. And, and we can talk about production all you want, but let's also talk about the personnel. So Davey Johnston uh, plays the electric and the acoustic guitar. Um, so going back to the Elton John thing, he's played with Elton on over 3000 shows. Uh, Larry Steele is on bass. I didn't do a whole lot of, uh, looking at, at Larry, uh, Jerry Conway plays the drums. So he worked with Cat Stevens throughout the seventies, Jethro Tull during the eighties. And I guess he's part of the Fairport convention, um, ah, the reassembly that. of that now. Oh, okay. And then uh, Ray Cooper, who, um, also does some percussion. So he's worked with everybody as yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah, uh, done work with Elton John. Um, a lot of work with George Harrison. So, so no George slouches. The, yeah, I had dinner with Ray Cooper years ago. It was, it was, it was so great. I bet that was yeah. just a, such a yeah. kind, kind guy. Um, yeah, I watched I watched that concert for George last. I've been watching concert films. I'm so jonesing for concerts. So I uh, I watched the concert for George and Ray Cooper. So amazing in that show. Very cool. So, so Joan plays piano on a ton of the songs on this record. I I always equated her as a guitarist, maybe because you know she has a number of record covers where she's actually holding a guitar. Yep. I don't see any of the record covers where she's at a piano. So, I guess I had always just kind of thought, oh, you know, she's a guitarist. And then when you start hearing some of the songs that have 
like really massive amounts of piano in the mix. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I think she went bad. I mean, again, I, I think you know she definitely is is known. She she sort of popularized the ovation guitar before uh, before Melissa Etheridge did that sort of plastic you know backed guitar. Um, yeah, and she's definitely a guitarist for sure. But I, I don't know if she ever went back to piano a lot. But uh, yeah, that's the reason why I love the album because I think her piano playing is really yeah. special. Yeah, it's very cool. I agree. All right, uh, you guys ready to dive in track by track? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. So. So as a reminder, our scoring is based on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this record? 14. Which means our top song is going to get 14 points. Next favorite, 13 points on down to lowest score of one. Let's kick it off. Here we go. Here's My Family. You bring the sunshine And you can see it in the So if I look at all the names that she lists throughout this song and I try and f- try and figure this out in like a biblical context, I know most of the names except for like Joe and Jesse, or are those just members of Joan's family? Do we know? <laughs> I don't know the answer to that mystery. It's definitely, yeah, it's definitely it, it feels like it's biblical mixed in with you know, semi-autobiographical. Yeah. Um, so we have pianos and guitars in this song. Um, so I was kind of keeping score a little since I really got fixated on that. Cause again, going back to what I said about Joan as a guitar player. So, um, I may bring that up quite a bit. So, so let's go to Rev first. So what do you like about this song? It, it just, it's just the great master shot. You know, to me, it's just, it just sets the whole theme and vibe, uh, of the entire album. It's just this great expansive, uh, tune. I mean, just like the entrance alone, it's so commanding. There's this, this, you know, gospel, you know, really full throated piano riff at the top. And she just comes in with, you know, have you made my family? It's like, Oh my God. It's like a million years of pain and suffering and angst and unresolved shit in her voice it's just it's just how can you ignore it it's so so intense it just it gives me goosebumps still i've heard this album for you know god you know 40 plus years and i still get goosebumps when i hear that opening bit yeah wayne what you got on this because i i think you um rev like this song way more than you did based on the scores i would say this first of all i had never heard the album. I, in fact, I had never heard anything by Joan Armatrading. I'd heard her name for years. It's one of those people you hear of, you always hear of, and you just never, I don't know, I never got around to listening to it. So the first time I listened to this, probably the first two times I listened to this record, I was literally, I was blown away. I texted Ben and I was like, I, she's, yeah. she's blowing my mind because like, this is, I think a great representative of, of kind of 
the record in 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 whole kind of it has a folky uh real sing- singer songwriter early 70s kind of feel to it and I just I love the piano and the acoustic guitar together and her voice why it may not have like a unique quality like like a like Rick Ocasek always comes to to mind and Billy Corgan but it's it's got a resonance like it's it's not just deep it's like powerful it's like strong like it it would like a wind it would knock you over and so I the album fell into into two halves like there were seven songs that I that I really like and then there were seven songs that I absolutely love. And this song, so the songs on that bottom half, kind of, they're kind of interchangeable. It was hard to really put a number to them. But that being said, I put a low number to it. But it's, it's. I think part of it is the names and it, it kind of gets personal, but I don't know the people because I've just met right. basically Joan Armatrading at this point. Um, and then I, I did have to take points off for Peter. He was a piper. Come on, that's... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> you can't do that. You're better than that, Joan. You're better than but that. The, but, but the delivery of the line is still great. He's a oh, papa. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, just so soulful beyond days. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, this, this kind of fell middle of the pack for me. And <clears throat> I deducted points because I didn't know who these people were. I wanted to know who they were. I wanted to know who they were, who they really were other than, you know, their Johnny is tending the garden and David is sowing the seeds. I, you know, give, give me, give me a little more. I guess I just wanted a little more uh, context behind it and I just couldn't find any. So you can make them your own. You can make them your own. Yeah. Or, or, or Joan can call us and she can tell us. <laughs> Probably Pam has to call you. <laughs> right. Or Pam, Pam will have to call us. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get some scores on this. Uh, Wayne, what you got? A uh, three. All right. And then Rev, it's my it's my top one, so it, it's it's fourteen. All right, all right, this is my six. All right, next song is City Girl. dug this song i like the uh the mamas and the papas feel about halfway through the song with the the settle down call and the settle down response and the harmonies that occur uh within the song um guitar centered song which uh you know is definitely going to we're going to see more of that i don't know this song just this was the one song that i kept coming back to like i i just really I really liked this song. Wayne, what you got on, on, uh, City I like it too. this is the one I know I heard that Joan had wrote this about Pam. Um, and I think one of the, like I say, I'm going to throw around a lot of names and it's not like I'm comparing her or saying she's ripping anybody off, but it's more of, there's such a varied style. Like this had a, this one had a little more of a Joni Mitchell, uh, feel to it. 
and the acoustic guitar and another name that kind of the, her voice started to remind me a lot of uh, Dion Warwick. So she's really silky smooth, but yet it's, it's still extremely strong, but yeah, I like the story. Um, and I like, and I know I'd heard Pam Nestor got completely cut out of this. Her, this is, I believe I had read that all the, even the harmonies are Joan Armitrading. So, uh, you know, you have a, 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 an incredible voice when they only want your voice backing it up. <laughs> And when they do that, there's a couple of songs on here where they do it, and it, it's it knock it's it's out it's knocks it out of the park. But yeah, I, I really like this. Was another song that I really like too. I wonder if there's any demo versions of Pam on some of these songs. Yeah, this, it's funny. This album's been you know reissued so many times, and there's never anything extra on this album. It's always just yeah. 14 tracks, <laughs> so, right? Yeah. Just remastered, and that's yeah, it. yeah. It's just yeah. this part of her career is like very, uh, very thin on the on the on the inventory. Or or Pam just didn't agree to release maybe. any of those demos. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, I had read, and I it is Wikipedia. It's not a credit. It's not a you know, citable source, but um, that she was just asked out by the label they wanted it to be a joan armatrading record um so any of the tracks where pam sang on they cut them i mean they could have been who knows they may have been better but they cut all the tracks that she sang on any tracks that she played on because she played piano too i guess they wanted this to be i mean it wasn't supposed to be a joan armatrading you know solo album it was supposed to be them as a group and the record label for whatever reason wanted it another way and cut her out hmm. and she was like i read she was so disillusioned by the whole thing um that i don't know that she uh she lost contact with joan armatrading stopped she went she went back to school i think and got completely out of of entertainment yeah that'll do it that'll do it yeah all right anything else on uh city girl no i dig it. it's fine i feel this way about this song that wayne felt about my family like it, it, it's i i, I like it. it it's it's sort of um i I sort of a middle of the pack song for me. Um, okay. But, uh, but it's beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful. There's, there's no bad song on this album. I mean, that I think it is for me, right, yeah, just, there's, there's no bad song. Right. On this album. It's, it's, I think a lot of them are sort of like, um, you know, they, they've, you can certainly point to a few different songs that are all sort of, that feel like variations on the same theme. Like they're sort of, you know, sketches in a way and, and yeah, maybe you know, like, like one of the three could have like made it if someone was trying to make a tighter album like a you know tight 10 song album or 11 song album versus a 14 song album um but even yeah. knowing that you know some of you know the songs have these sort of similar musical or lyrical themes in them like i don't i, I don't care because <laughs> because it's all just so rich and and, and emotional and, and just um really really you know raw and intimate yeah very cool all right so this is my top song. Rev, what you got? Uh, for City Girl? I've, I've, yeah. I I gave it a seven. It's the middle of the pack for me. All right. Wayne? A ten. All right. Next song is Spend a Little Time.
And this is a piano song. My notes here say the song finally starts cooking around one minute and 45 seconds, and then it's over because the clock's in at 225. And that's not even the shortest song on the record. Damn, and that this one not doesn't suffer from it so much, but there are some of those shorter songs that feel unfinished. Like, I don't know if it was a rush to get this out. It didn't, I know it, it didn't commercially do very well, but it was critically, you know, very popular, but it's, some of it feels, some of it felt, some of them felt undone. Like, I don't know if it had anything to do with the Pam Nestor part, but this, this one, not so much, but some of others, they, they seemed like they ended abruptly and maybe, maybe they still needed a little bit more work. And as I mean, there's still great songs, but I still, sometimes it felt like there was, there was something they, 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 they kind of rushed it sometimes. I didn't think this particular song uh, lacked anything from that yeah, being yeah. over. Um, but there, yeah, there are a couple that, that, that I will mention. Uh, Rev, what do you got on this song? I actually love this. It's, it's funny. Even hearing about the brevity of it, I realize that maybe more than I realized she may have influenced my own sort of love of songs that just get in and out. I have, I have a song on my new album. That's a minute 48. <laughs> and, um, right. Right. And, um, and I, I, I sort of, I love the idea of just songs that are just sort of before you know it, they're over. So to me, that that's that's an attribute, not a, not a uh, sort of a, a detriment. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, this is actually one of my favorite songs. I gave it, I gave it an eleven because I, I just, um, I, I love again the vocal delivery in the intro is so like just you know hair goes up on the back of my neck, uh, and then I love the. Uh, I, I love the build of it. And I love the fact that it's just over. <laughs> it's like, what the, yeah. what the hell just happened yeah. here? Uh, yeah. So it's actually one of my favorite songs. All right. Wayne, what do you got for a score? Uh, yeah. 12, just like, like Sean, the rev said, this is one of my favorite songs too. I gave it a 12. I thought it, it continued, you know, this is the third song now and it's a third different song. Nothing has been really like the previous song. And that's what was just, I, I say is just blowing my mind is now she's, She's moved into the, this is a piano-driven rock and roll song. This is as, as good as anything that Bernie Toppin and Elton John had done at that point. Totally. Totally agree. Yeah. And this is my nine. So that's going to lead us to our title track, which is Whatever's For Us. He's not alive, not to trust, cause whatever's for us, for us. Mm. Whatever's for us, for us And uh, guitar song Um, And it's hard for me, Wayne uh, just like you said, it's hard not to compare musicians to other musicians, but uh, definitely has a Joni Mitchell vibe to me for for this particular song. What do you guys What do you guys have to say about the title track? I love it. I mean, it, it's um, you know, I'm a sucker for just you know solo acoustic songs when they're really you know well done, uh, and just you know the playing and and the lyric and these sort of hung phrases. Uh, and, and the slight tempo shifts, it, it's really like, a, it's a beautifully constructed tune. I, I, I sort of think, 
it's hard for me to compare it to Joni Mitchell just because one, just uh, the voice, right? They're like such opposite ends of the spectrum, you know, vocally. Like Joni's up in the clouds and, you know, and Joni's right. like, you know, got roots, you know, 10 feet dug into the earth. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so, um, and I think their playing is, you know, Joni's got much more interesting sort of chord choices in a way, her alternate tunings and sort of her wizardry in that way. Uh, but I, 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 you know, there's a similar poetry for sure. Um, yeah, I just love it. I, I love the, um, it's, it's, it's sort of a hint at what's to come with her, right. With the sort of her love songs and, you know, in some respects it's, mm-hmm. it's sort of like the most like traditional sort of love song, right. It's like, you know, we dig each other and if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. If it's not, it's not. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, it's just beautiful. It, it, it's, it's, I give it a high score too. It's, I just really, uh, I find it so so stark and delicate. Very cool. Wayne, you got anything on this before we get scores? Um, yeah, I want to say the guitar sounded like a 12 string. It didn't specifically say, but it did have a little bit of a different kind of a f- fuller sound to it. And uh, and while I can say my score doesn't reflect how much I liked it, I also thought this was the best song as a title track. I thought it really fit. Okay. All right. Uh, I feel bad about my score then. Um, so I gave, I, I, I gave this a three. Ooh. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, Rev, what'd you got? I gave it a 10. Okay. And then Wayne. Yeah, I gave it a five. I, I, I also feel shame. <laughs> excuse me, gentlemen. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next song is uh, child star. Box of every tablet. Lying by your bed And there's sadness clogging up your memories They block your head But you're playing games Games with nature Games you can't afford to lose How can you find out who you are Surrounded by the blue ah. This is totally a guitar song, oh. um, and uh, I do like I do like the extra vocal. Um, I, I my my initial notes were is one of them Pam Nesters, and then Wayne, you you said you you think that Joan is vocals for all of this, including harmony. Then, right? yeah, and then when I and I really tried to listen, and there were a couple of times where I, maybe it possibly could have been somebody else, but most of them um, you can you can hear it. There's a she has a quality to her voice that is pretty un- unmistakable. Um, but this one is to me, um, I like the kind of the whole story about it. It seems, I mean, I'm sure I didn't do any research to find out what child star or amalgamation of child stars it might've been. But to me, this was all about her, uh, her guitar playing on this. It's so, it's so aggressive. I mean, it gets to a, at a point where it almost sounds like two guitars and the best I could, from everything I looked at, it's just her, um, but it, it just, it just a great sound. And like I say, throwing names around, there's a part of this song where it really, and it's where she, they, her, she's har- or her background harmonies. It gave me a real secondhand news, that real Lindsay Stevie, uh, thing going on. I don't know if I wrote down, but it's during the, uh, at the, it's like at the much too old for lollipops part. And it kind of goes into this, 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 into this strum real fast strum. And she's, you 
they start doing the harmonies and it just it just gave me that secondhand news vibe. Oh, yeah. I can I can hear that. Rev, what you got on this one? I I love this. I I I actually feel like her playing's like Pete Townsend on this track. I mean, just uh, Pete's acoustic playing, uh, who I, you know, I love and and did that sort of like almost like flamenco-ish, you know, touches to her playing. Um, and, and, and the speed and just, just, yeah. you can just really, she's got a wrist that that's really similar to Pete's to me. Um, in, in general, not just in the song. Uh, I, uh, I, I dig it. I, um, yeah, I, I, the lyrics are kind of hippie ish, you know, and, and I have a little bit of a version to sort of, you know, hippie ish, uh, you know, psychedelic lyrics. Uh, the next song we're going to get to is, uh, my, my, uh, my, my least favorite because of that. Um, but, uh, you know, this one stops just short of being, you know, pure hippy dippy. Um, but, but, but the playing is, is just, you know, in, insane. All right. Um, let's get some scores on this. This is my eight Wayne. 11. All right. And then ref nine for me. All right. Next song is Visionary Mountains. At the peak of your visionary mountains Above and afar Like answers to questions on love Love and the longing to survive And um, yeah, I think you hit it right on with the hippy dippy on this. Davy Johnston is on the sitar on this one, and uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, since and, and I was like, since I'm keeping track of guitar versus piano songs, this is a piano song, and for some good measure, some sitar. There you go. <laughs> um, did did you guys listen to the Manfred Mann's Earth Band version of this? Oh my god, I didn't know that existed. Wow. Yeah. I did not. Uh, so it's on their 1975 record, Night- Nightingales and Bombers. They turned this one minute and 51 second song into a prog worthy five minutes and 43 second <laughs> epic. Way to go, man for man. So <laughs> if you guys want a little prog in your, in your diet, uh, go, go check it out. It's actually pretty good. It's it? actually pretty good. Uh, if, if, if you're into prog stuff, which sometimes I can, I can go there. Uh, I was in the mood for it a couple of days ago and I was like, eh, that's, that's not bad. That's not bad. But yeah. no, I totally get what you're saying that this is, this is the hippy dippy stuff. And this it's is fine. my, yeah. uh, my guitarist, uh, Dr. Roberts, uh, was a, is a reformed prog rocker. And, uh, okay. So I, 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 I have to sort of, uh, beat it back every now and then in him but there you uh, go. <laughs> yeah it, it's uh it's a uh it's one of the songs where it seems like an experiment right i mean there's you know the sound it's, it seems like a, an audio experiment you know more than yeah. more than sort of a a, a song um, there's a, not 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 a, this one could have left, been left off the album for me yeah um wayne you got anything on this um i did it's funny as i'd like to hear it without the sitar because the question to what is this song is missing is never a sitar. No one ever said. 
or cowbell. We need something else. We need, we're missing something. I know what it is. It's a sitar. It's the same with a bagpipe. No one's going to say, yeah, we need more bagpipe. I did put a sitar on one of my songs. I got to tell you though. I, Okay. Not on the new record, though. No, no. Old album called In Between is a, t- uh, a tune called okay. uh, Sick of Me. There's a turn it. It just, in this case, I think the grandness of the piano was it, because it, I, I did feel like I, I there's more there if it was maybe just a, a, a piano and, and Joan. I think I'd like to hear it at least. I'd like to, to see what that sounded like. Yeah. All right. Uh, as far as scores go, I'm going to say this um, only once. We're all in agreement f- for our score. Um, Wayne, your score? Uh, one. Rev? One. Yeah, yeah, this is my one, too. So the only song that we all agree on. Oh, it's, just that. <laughs> it's just one. Yeah, just, just one. All right, uh, next song uh, could have been better. You can. As our insanity and tears I shouted for you to stay It could have been better If you had held my hand and smiled at me Oh, question why My face was so Predominantly a piano song. The strings and the French horns were arranged by Del Newman. And I had to look that up. Uh, so Newman provided string arrangements for Cat Stevens' T for the Tillerman. Uh, he's also worked with everybody. Elton John, Carly Simon, Rod Stewart, Harry Nilsson, Peter Frampton, George Harrison. Um, he also conducted George Martin's orchestral score for... Live and let die. Wow, that's not cool... not the Guns and Roses version. Yeah, Wayne. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, and and I like this song from the standpoint at about the two minute mark. You think that she's, you know, she's usually finishing up a song around the two minute mark, um, and then that's when the song kind of the whole band kind of kicks in. Uh, this is the longest song on the record at four minutes and nineteen seconds, and. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I dig, I dig this song a lot. And that's kind of, uh, in contrast to Rev's score that I'm looking at here. So how come I like this more than you, Rev? I, I, I like it. I, I'm, 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 I'm recalculating my scores here. Cause I, I know I sort of mislabeled <laughs> my things. I, I may, I may have misnumbered my, uh, my, uh, my, my, I may have got my numbering off, but I, <laughs> It's for something. I think. I think probably like easily over a minute of that is just the fade. Like <laughs> the the the, mm-hmm. the, the, the it has this long, lush, you know, coda, uh, which is you know beautiful. Um, I I feel like this song. We talk about songs that aren't on a theme. I think this song, whatever's for us, uh, gave it a try, which I love. Um, 
are all sort of variations on the same theme a little bit in my mind. And, yeah. uh, and, and, and this one is sort of the, the weakest of those three on that theme. Um, yeah, I mean, I love, I love the fragility in her voice, you know, at, at the top. Uh, she doesn't sing in that high range, you know, a, a ton. <clears throat> and it's, maybe that's Joni Mitchell-ish in a way. Um, and, and, but it, yeah, it, it feels, it feels like there's better ones that travel down this path. Yeah. Wayne, anything on, it could have been better. You know, and I like, there's parts of this song. I like, I really like that little build up to the chorus and then the chorus itself. Um, I thought some of the verse part got kind of early seventies adult contemporary. Um, I did. And I, but I like the big piano ending. Um, it's just like, it had, it had moments that I really liked, but o- overall, I just, like I guess I think it was mostly the verses. They got real, a real AC. Yeah. The refrain's heartbreaking though. My face was so distorted. I mean, just, man. Yeah. The ache in her voice. No one does like ache <laughs> better than Joan Armour trading. Yeah. All right. Um, this is my 12. Wayne? Eight. And then uh, Rev? I need a reminder. <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I, th- I thought I had eight also, but now I'm questioning it. I'm wondering if your Mr. Remember Me and your It Could Have Been Better were flip-flopped. Yeah, that one, that, that Mr. Remember Me is, is lower on my, on my rate. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I, in my rating here, I, I put it as a, as a 12, which is higher than you would think given what I just said about it. But my, my, <laughs> my scores go way low from here out, except for one, there's one more high one for me. Yeah. And then they, right. they, they I, I, then I start dredging the bottom a little bit. All right. Um, is this where we would flip the record over? I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, head of the table. It's next song. What I read on this is it's a song about interracial relationships based on Pam Nestor's experiences of dating a white boyfriend at the time. Um, the piano song, this is definitely when you pair it up with the band that is part of Elton John's band. Um, this feels like at times totally feels like an early Elton John song to me. The hook's so great. I mean, the vocal, there's so many great vocal oh, yeah. hooks in this yeah. song. Yeah. Uh, Wayne, what do you got on head of the table? Um, it, yeah. Like I say, it, it reminded me of spend a little time is what I got in my notes. And, um, and I had read the same thing. Uh, it has a little bit of an anti-establishment feel along, along those same, those same lines. And then, uh, but it gets bouncy too. But there's, I think there's some doot to doot to doots in there also. Mm-hmm. 
that downbeat with the whole like the timpani and the whole drama. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so there's so much great drama in it. Yeah. 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 Straight and narrow. It just, man. Uh, that's so, great, so <laughs> many great folks. Uh, all right. Let's get some scores on this. Uh, so this is my 10, Wayne. A nine. And then Rev. I give it an eight. All right. And next song is Mr. Remember Me. Piano centered song, another song that's just over two minutes. Um, I'd put this up there with any Carly Simon song. I wanted to see who came first, Carly or Joan. And Carly's debut record came out one year earlier in 71, while this, of course, came out in 72. Um, the comparison so Carly's song, That's the Way I've Always Heard It Should Be, was a top 10 hit. She won a Grammy for Best New Artist, and Joan. Well, this record didn't do much. Yeah, it's total obscure record, yeah. Yeah. So that I got a Carly Simon vibe on the on this one. So I, I kinda went down this Carly Simon rabbit hole. And um but I would I would take this record over any Carly Simon record. I'll just oh, yeah, go I mean, on record. I, I, I yeah. I'm, I'm in agreement. All right. Um, what, do you, what do you guys have on Mr. Remember Me? See, I'm even taking you guys down the Carly Simon rabbit hole. Sorry about that. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, it, it's not one of my favorite songs on the album. Um, and I hate to say it because I, mean, I love every song on this album. So I, I got to keep saying that. I mean, I don't think there's, I mean, with maybe Visionary Mountains. Yeah. I, maybe I, I right, officially right. don't like that song. Um, but I, I don't think there's, other than that, I don't think there's a bad song on this album. Um it's just, you know, you're making me decide these things. So I know, I know. <laughs> um, I, I, so I, I, I do think it's sort of, again, you know, on that theme of uh, sort of, you know, heartache songs or straight up heartache songs, I, I find it, you know, weaker than, you know, whatever's for us or the other ones I sort of feel in this, in this vein. Um, so, uh, yeah, my favorite part of the song is yeah. that vocal sort of la, 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 it drops down that insanely low octave right. um that's sort of like the song's worth it for me for that bit <laughs> the rest of it i sort of am, am, am more ambivalent about yeah yeah all right well let's get some scores on this unless wayne you got anything to add no this was one that i i felt it was similar to the previous track in a it kind of sonically and then it this is one of the ones that kind of ended suddenly and had a little bit of an unfinished feel to it yeah, I agree with that one too. I, I I didn't agree with it when you talked about it in, in relationship to um uh 
spend a little time, but I, 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 I do it in this one. I feel it, it sort of ends a bit unceremoniously as if they just sort of like, well, that's that. Yep. Yeah. Given that this was my four Wayne, your score. I gave it a six. I don't, like I say, the bottom, it was, it was, it was tough. Like I say, I really like seven songs and then seven songs. I, 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 I liked, and it was hard to, I guess they, yep. they got moved around. Cause like I say, the first, Two times I listened to this record, it seemed like every song I would hear and go, oh, I, lo- I love this song. This is one of my favorite songs. <laughs> so it took it took a good five or six listens to, to kind of separate them out. Yeah. Okay. And then Rev, what was your score? It's a three for me. Okay. All right. Um, next one is Gave It a Try. Two weeks I went back Trying to find my way in society Found me a job Showing consideration For my relations I gave it a try So would we call this a piano song or a guitar centric song or just both? Uh, I, the guitar lick is sort of what you first dial into. At least I, what I first dial into. Um, yeah. God, I love the song. <laughs> My notes on here is uh, I like this song better when it was called My Way from Frank Sinatra. <laughs> and uh, just so you know, I wrote those no- notes during a restless night a few evenings ago. So you may say I was sleep deprived at that point and a, and a little snarky. So sorry about that. Um, all right. Rev, what do you got on this one? I, 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 I The song has a lot of sentimental value for me. I, I just, um, it, it feels like, even it's sung from a very obviously a, a female perspective. Every life passage I've gone through uh, since I first discovered this album is like a you know early early teen. Um, that's the song is sort of like been my soundtrack for that life passage. Like you know going off to school, you know getting ready to get married, getting divorced. <laughs> you know, my first kid. I, I just I for some reason I just associate the song with these big sort of like you know, steps into, you know, the, the new frontier. My, uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter went off to college this year. Now she's back because of COVID. But, uh, and when she, when, when she left, um, yeah, I gave her a copy of the song, uh, this sort of, you know, yeah, her stepping in the world, you know, on her own for the first time. And so I, I just, uh, I, I just have a deep, like, uh, emotional attachment to this tune. I'll, I'll be giving my daughter a, playlist uh she goes off to college next year so i feel you yeah um wayne what anything on gave it a try i don't have that personal connection to it but i i like when he was talking like the albums like that start running through my mind like octoon baby and and stuff like that so i i definitely get that but i you can definitely hear the personal nature of it you know clearly and you know someone being in you know, musician, that's probably not their parents first wish for them. So you can, so it definitely has a very personal feel um, and you can hear it in her voice. Yeah. 
All right. Um, so I feel bad about my two for this. Uh, Wayne, <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> I'm twice as good as that, a four. All right. And then Rev. 13. Oh, all right. Now we feel really bad. Um, all right. Next, next I'm sorry, song but is I, I, I have no objectivity about that song at all. Yeah. 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 No, no, no objectivity. That, that's it. Um, all right. Next song is Alice. And uh, who who's Alice? I mean, is it Alice, Alice in Wonderland? It's, it's am, in, am I, I mean, she says okay. it right. Alice in Wonderland, wondering why it's harder to live than it is to die. Yeah, um, I was she, just wondering if there was there was a different Alice, or if we're being super literal on that. So I I, I mean, I wonder if if I, I I think the Alice is not literally Alice in Wonderland from the book. I think it's yeah. some, I, I think she's in her own version of Wonderland. Right. Um, yeah. it's a great play on words. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, yeah, it's, that's it's another deep tune. Yeah. Piano track, definitely way up in the mix. So it gives a very Elton John seventies feel for it. Cause it is a piano centered, centered song. Yeah. Um, Wayne, anything on this? Um, this was my second lowest, and I think it just got very 70s soft rock, and the Alice in Wonderland analogy wasn't, it just, I, I think it, it just felt safe. Like, I felt like she had, you know, there was a story there, and, I, and then, and the electric guitar just uh, did not help. <laughs> it got yeah, it, it kept it it, it, it it seemed it just made it seem very 70s soft rock and like i say this 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 album stylistically is all over the place in like this really cool way like you just don't know what's going to happen next and so this time it felt like it was pretty easy to figure out what was happening yeah okay um should we get some scores rev six and then wayne you already said this was your deuce yeah all right, and this is my five. So next song is Conversation. focus great message that i think all of us who have ever been in a relationship need that 
communication is the key. Have conversations. Do you guys feel, especially since we're in this whole COVID pandemic, uh, we're stuck with our, our family, um, the, the whole lines of uh, when there's an empty moment, won't you dedicate it to me or is it spent on burning incense? Uh, I feel like my family is saying that to me right now. Is it like, uh, is your free time spent on editing your podcast or watching the newsroom? So, yeah, definitely lots of Netflix binging right now, right, everybody? I've, I've been, I've been pretty, uh, I've been pretty restrained so far. I gotta say, compared to yeah, lots of folks. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm writing and uh, trying to. You know, I feel like I feel like I'm creating a bit more than consuming still, but with every passing week, yeah, the, the, the scales get <laughs> <Right>. less, <laughs> less, uh, more and more balanced, I guess. Yeah, I ebb and flow. Uh, right now, I'm 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 okay with uh, sitting on my butt and watching. Like the other night, I watched Tommy for the first time, all Which, the way through. Would the the Ken Russell film? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. the yeah. I'd watch bits and pieces of it, but mm-hmm. I'd never had watched it all the way through. So, you know, I figured, why not? Yeah, that's that's a that's a commitment. Yeah. All right. Uh, you guys have anything on conversation? I like you know what the lyrics. She does a lot of repeating, so the there's not a lot of lyrics, but the lyrics that are there, I really like. Um, and I love, I just love her vocal style, and especially at the "To My Baby" part. Um, But again, this Mm. one comes in at like two sixteen, and it has, it just, this one is one that, you know, when something ends and you, you're like, I, I, there's, I know there's more there. There's, you know, I'm, I, I just want more. I want you to write some more verses to that song and come back and sing them to me again. It just, it it left me wanting more. Yeah. Okay. I love the ending though. It goes back to earlier, earlier thing. Yeah, the guitar chime at the end is great, though. It's beautiful. It's like just sonically. It's a great uh, guitar sound at the end. The the acoustic sense of, you know, Gus Dungeon records acoustic guitars really, really well. Um, Yeah. I dug it. It, 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 It's, 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 you know, it's, um, I love her vocal performance. I mean, that's, I I like her vocal performance more than I like the song. Uh, Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Uh, this was my seven, Wayne. Uh, also seven. And five. then Ref. I got. I give it right. a five. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Uh, next song is uh, Wayne. I mean, Mean Old Man. <laughs> it's Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> Freudian slip. I'm not as bad uh, as it used to be. I love the guitar work in this one. This is uh, this is definitely a guitar-driven song. Um, I meant to go look to see 
who Chris Hughes was. He was he's the one who arranges the brass that's in this, and I never got around to doing research on him. Anybody know Chris Hughes? I do not. No. Okay. Yeah, Chris, speak up if you're still alive. Yeah. Sorry, Chris. Um, all right. What do you guys have on this one? On Mean oh, Old Man? I this I think this album finishes so strong. Like this, this that guitar riff that it's like this just Delta blues guitar, you know, coming out. And then she just starts like, and at the end of that riff, she just starts vote. Her vocals come in and it's just like, I'll throw out another name, Robert Plant. She just has this super bluesy <laughs> rock goddess, badass. Like she's so angry, but yet not angry, like flying off, like angry, you know, you're a, you're a mean old man. This is a bad relationship, but you know what? I'm just, I, I'm going to move on. I don't, you don't scare me. I I ain't sweating you. It just has so much swagger. It's it's I and just like I say, the guitar is amazing. And then when you think you've got it figured out, all of a sudden the the <laughs> Memphis horns show up or something, and it just completely turns this thing sideways. And it and and in a just and like I say, I just as much as I loved it, then it just. It, it, they blew the roof off of it and went like all, you know, the band war on it. It just was good. God, it just, I loved it. See what I told you, Rev. It's always Wayne <laughs> slips with the F bomb. Well, I remembered I hadn't used one side. So I didn't drop it. <laughs> I, I, it's funny hearing you talk about it makes me like it more than I do. Otherwise. <laughs> I, 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 I think I'm realizing, and this is maybe the, the lack of bias. I, I, I think what, what I, what I'm realizing I love about this album or I've come to love about this album is, is it's sort of this stark confessionalism that's going on, it, it, which is so like, I'm so sick of it now. Like, like the last thing I want to hear now is like a confessional singer songwriter album. Uh, but, it, but this is sort of like my introduction to that type of album in a lot of ways. And, and, and the way in which she uh, confesses on this album, it has such uh, you know grace and sort of, and, and, and just, a, a depth that is so far apart from like the Taylor Swift version of confessionalism, you know? Um, so when, when there's songs like this song or even like visionary mountains where they get more sort of, you know, musically experimental or expansive, I feel like I start comparing that to other bands or artists who I feel do that thing better than, 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 than she does. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm like making a comparison to like her version of the kitchen sink getting thrown in versus like, I don't know, like the band or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and so, and, and the comparison never holds up for me. So I, I tend to rate these songs lower than I'm rating like the stark you know, confessional songs. Gotcha. It's no fault of her. It's just, it's just where my, where you're you know, at. Like, where, yeah, yeah. Where my bias, where my bias is with the album. Yeah. My my guess is if we redid this episode uh, two years from now, our scores would be completely different. Totally, it's true. <laughs> actually, it's fine. Actually, I actually want I want to go back and listen to the album again after this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, all right, this is my eleven, Wayne. This is my thirteen. All right, <laughs> it's, and it's then my two. <laughs> it's my, it's my two, <laughs> and I feel bad now. And I'm like, wait, what's wrong with me? <laughs> right, right, boo! I right, I, I need to leave. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I'll, 
We're almost done, and then you can leave. I, All right. I, I was I was going to leave before because I was so offended by you, and now I have to leave because I'm so offended by myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's wrap this up. So this is last song. This is All the King's Garden. This definitely sound this this song sounds more like the Joan that I've heard over the years. So there's more musical things happening. Um, I don't. I, I almost feel bad saying this. There's more jazz type things going on with totally. this song instead of relying on just the piano or you know the the early seventies you know guitar acoustic guitar. Um, I mean, given that, do you think that this is why this is the last song on the record? Since it seems to me to be the one that's, besides Visionary Mountains, seems to be the one that's m- more out of place with the rest of the record. That's interesting. It's, it's interesting to say that because it's, it, it's the greatest hint of where she would go. Yes. And, it, and it's the greatest um, sort of uh, diversion from where probably everyone wanted her to be. <laughs> at the time right, right. yeah you know, it's like you know we're trying to set you up as the female cat stevens or the female whatever you know the new sort of you know troubadour of our time and you know you can't give us all the king's guard it's way too eclectic it's way too much just to be fancy chords and uh yeah that, that's an interesting point I, i'm i'm sure it's, yeah there's no i think it's no secret why it's last it probably wasn't her choice yeah and that the bass that's front and center in the mix i love it oh my god totally yeah and how can you not like a song that uses highfalutin in the lyrics (laughs) mixing with the potty freaks that's it wayne um you you saved the your best for last so what do you got here i can say i just once again she just she piggybacks off of what she just did and this is this is even not only is she still channeling robert plant She's now her guitar player is that that sounds that that acoustic riff has that real like uh, it reminded me of Led Zeppelin's version of Traveling Riverside Blues by Robert Johnson. Oh, it just has okay. this this, you know, and so now I'd like to say what I loved, even though this one's I think why I gave it a higher score is because it does sound political. And I, I that's it's one of those things where when you take a shot at the establishment and the, and the social elite and stuff, and you do it in a, in a clever and inter- interesting way, I think that is what, that's why people write songs. Or that's one of, that's the second reason that people write songs. And I, and like I say, they dialed back the horns. They could have like what they did before. They didn't try to do it again. This time the horns are used for maximum effect, but less, less often. Yeah. Veiled political though. songs. That's Wayne's sweet spot right there. I love it. I, I've got yeah. a few of those for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
We talked about one of them earlier. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Um, let's wrap this up. So, Wayne. This is my top score. This is my favorite song. All right. And Rev. Wow. Uh, I can't wait to this album again now. <laughs> uh, I give it a four. All right. And this For all the same reasons why with, with, with the previous song. It's sort of, yeah. Yeah. And this is my 13. All right. Um, so this is where I would usually say, did we, did we miss anything? Did we cover everything? I, ch- I challenge someone pre- to find something we missed. Yeah. Pre- pretty, pretty damn uh, expansive. Other than we want Pam Nestor to chime in. Come out of, come out of silence. Yeah. Yeah. Break her we silence. Needed, we, we needed to have, have a, a stage, a, a Pam Nestor sit in or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board with that. <laughs> yeah. We all got time. We all do. All right. Um, all right. Uh, any guesses what our top score is? And and Are I don't think uh, that was tied for second. Actually, you know what? Hold on one second. I've huh. got I once uh, Sean was moving stuff do, around do, now. Do, I've, do, yep. This do, is totally do, the Jeopardy do, part. Do, um, do. Okay, so we got we got a tie for tie for first. Tie for first. Tie tie for first. Uh, So it could have been better with a ten point six six average score, and spend a little time also had a ten point six six. Then we had a tie. We had a tie for. Um, for third for city girl and all the King's garden. And then rounding out our top five would be child star. So, um, sorry, Rev. We, we, we tank, we tanked, uh, my family for you. And let's see, gave, gave it a try. We tanked it for you on that one too. I I can walk away with my, my, uh, my health (laughs) on that. Uh, but looking at that five, that's a solid five though, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's also really representative of the sort of the, the diversity of the album. Yeah. Like sort of song in there that it has like like all the, all the songs are very different in a way, in the same way that the whole album is really different. Very much so. Very much so. Good job guys. Absolutely. Thank you very (laughs) much for, for, for picking this record. Cause. Oh Yeah. You know, we're, we're definitely, um, we're definitely getting some picks that Wayne and I are not super familiar with or not familiar with at all. So, uh, we're, we're especially grateful when we get introduced to records that are just fantastic. That I'm happy about that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've heard this album to a lot of people and, uh, it, it's fine. Some people have known about her and presumed that her self uh, titled album was the debut album or right. people have heard about her, but never really bothered to you know check her out or people who, you know, never heard of her. And I, I love turning people onto this album. It's uh it's, it's really a, it's a, it's a keeper. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Um, so remind our listeners where they can find all the happenings of, of the rev. Uh, Sean Amos.com is the website for anyone who goes to websites anymore. Uh, S H A W N A M O S, and I'm everywhere on social media at the Rev Amos. There you go. So, last question. I lift this question from a fellow podcaster here in Orlando. 
He always asks, who do you know that I don't know who should join us on this podcast to revisit one of their favorite records? Oh, wow. Uh, do you know Tom Freund? I don't. Tom Freund. Tom Freund is a brilliant uh, LA-based singer-songwriter, uh, upright bassist. He was assigned to a label called Red Ant, which is sort of like a hot label for a moment, sort of in, yeah. the, in the early 90s, I think it was. Uh, and he was sort of billed as like the next coming of Tom Waits, which was you know okay. a bit unfair uh, unfair to him. Uh, he uh, and Ben Harper are close friends. They're, they were actually uh, uh, schoolmates, and they had a duo. Uh, so before Ben got signed, gotcha. he and Tom were a duo, and Tom still opens up for Ben a, a lot. Uh, but he's great. So yeah, Tom Freund. All right. Well, we'll nice. we'll, we'll we'll chat offline. Yeah, we just had mm-hmm. a upright bassist, Scott Mulvihill, uh was was uh, on with us a couple I, I weeks ago. Him. Yeah, yeah. Tom's a great lyricist. He's a great songwriter. He actually does a lot of songwriting for um that Pamela Adlon show, uh, uh, Better Things. Okay. The FX show. Uh, Tom writes songs for, for her. And he also writes some songs for uh, that animated show that Elvis Costello is the voice of. It's like the, with a cat or something. I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassing myself. There's some animated sort of irreverent show. It's like, and it's about a cat. And Wait Costello's a minute. Song. What? I've never heard yeah. of this. Yeah. Oh, it's like this. Yeah. Check it out. Elvis Costello is the voice of this character in this animated series. I'm, I'm pretty sure it involves a cat. I'm like, but, uh, Anyway, and, and Tom uh, does some songs for that show as well. Okay. Interesting. All right. Um, well, I'll check that out. So as a reminder, you can find all of our episodes by going to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com. Of course, we're on the, all the socials as well. Wayne Man's Instagram page. Just go to Records Revisited Podcast there. I'm on Twitter at Podcast Records. And, of course, we have a Facebook page as well. You can find all of our old episodes on all your major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Stitcher, iHeartMedia, Spotify, Google Podcasts. You know the drill. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. I would tell you to go to a live show, but you know the drill right now. So in the meantime, go support your favorite musicians. Go buy a T-shirt of the band, buy a record. Um, You can still buy a record, and you can go visit some of your virtual record stores. Um, I just did and purchased the uh, recent Jason Isbell record, which is phenomenal. Um, That's it. We are records revisited and we are out. out.